Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. What up, Yeezy? Hey, what's going on? It's Tuesday morning. It's now, Wednesday. Uh, Wednesday? Damn it, man. Well, it's Wednesday. I was like, wow. Oh, oh, back bad. a day. Let me try this again. Guess what day it is? Guess what day it is? Hump day? Ah, ha, 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 ha. Yes, today is Wednesday hump day. Middle of the week. Hopefully you enjoying your day. I'm out in Atlanta. You know, I'm doing my car show out here in Atlanta, July 3rd, so it's a lot of planning. It's big. We're calling it Carcella because there's things for kids. There's rides. There's face painting. There's games. There's cars for everybody, celebrity cars, uh, exotic cars, cars from your favorite celebrity. There's so much to do, so it's a lot of planning. So I'm out in Atlanta right now, and I called all my friends in Atlanta. I'm like, hey, I'm in Atlanta. Let's go get something to eat. And all my friends called me back and was like, sorry, can't do it. I said, why? They was like... Uh, we don't have no gas. There was like, there's a, a shortage of gas. And all my friends was like, I got like 50 miles left to empty and I can't use it on you. Huh. Well, we'll talk about that uh, shortly. I was saying this morning in New York, the good thing is that the with the subway system here, why, why don't y'all take the train out there in Atlanta? Is there a train in Atlanta? Yeah. I never knew that. I never seen no damn train. Mm-hmm. And the people living, when, when they live in Atlanta, they usually live on the outskirts of Atlanta and then they got to travel to the city. So... Nobody wants to drive 30 minutes when they can't nah, find gas. I was gas. just kidding. I you, can, you don't even know how to take the train in New York. I would never. I definitely don't know how to take the train in New York. <laughs> but I didn't know the gas situation was so bad. But we'll talk about it more in front page news. Uh, the also, Marta. That's what it's called. The Marta. The, uh, the Marta system? That's what it's called? I think so. Oh, okay. All right. Well, today, who's joining us this morning? Uh, who is joining us this morning? Me, my, my angel. Oh, my angel Cody's coming yes. this morning? Okay, perfect. I love and my, my angel, angel Cody. Cody. Mm-hmm. Now, who's my angel Cody for people that don't know? Um, well, we know her for working to get a lot of people who have been sentenced to life in prison for nonviolent offenses and mm-hmm. drug offenses. She's uh, helped get them out of prison. So she's yes. going to talk about the project that she's been working on. A lot of people know her because Kim Kardashian also came out and worked with her on a lot of different things. And some people were saying Kim Kardashian was taking the credit. But my angel Cody was the person who was really doing the work. Yeah, she's the one that's helping people get out of jail, out of prison. When you see all these people released, it's usually she. she's the one that's usually behind it. So we'll right. kick it with her in a little bit. And then we got front page news. What are we talking about? Uh, well, let's talk about gasoline since you started and led with that this morning and how there's been a, a lot of gasoline demand in several states. And we'll tell you why the price of gas is so high and why some gas stations are out of gas. All right, we'll get into all that when we come back. Don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Everybody, it's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Let's get in some front page news. Now, on some quick sports size. I know everybody was waiting for LeBron to come back last night, but he decided to wait another game, so he won't come back to Thursday against the Houston Rockets. All right, so what else we got? You're not going to shout out our Brooklyn Nets? You can shout them out. Go ahead. Yeah, well, shout out to our Brooklyn Nets Uh Hold on. They beat the Bulls yesterday, I believe. So yeah, 115-107. Sure. Okay, good. Yeah. 
So shout out to our Brooklyn Nets. All right, now a growing number of gas stations on the East Coast are without fuel as drivers are filling up their tanks very aggressively right now because of an attack, a cyber attack that shut down the Colonial Pipeline. That is a critical artery for gas. And the panic buying, they're saying, is what's threatening to exacerbate the supply shock. So they said as of 9 p.m. yesterday, over 12% of gas stations in North Carolina and over 8% of Virginia didn't have gasoline. And I have friends, Envy, you said you're in Atlanta, right. who are uh, saying that some of the gas stations are out of gas. Yeah, there's, there's definitely a gas shortage in the South. I know people are looking for gas stations. Some people got to drive 30 miles to find a gas station, which is crazy. I know the U.S. said they, uh, hopefully by Friday they'll get things back to normal, but they expect the gas prices to shoot up a couple of cents. Last night, my daughter called me, and she was in my car. I'm like, what are you doing? She was like, hey, Dad, I'm just filling up all the cars. I was like, great thinking. And she said, listen, that's what they're saying is the problem right now. Panic buying. People are taking their entire family fleet of vehicles to the gas station, <laughs> filling up when they don't even need to right now. Everything should be resolved by the end of the week but because people are panicking that's what's causing the shortage of the supply of gasoline they said it's irrational behavior yeah i mean you can't blame people they're saying is it's they're going to fix it but they're not sure and people want to be safe no, they, they are they, make sure. yeah they're they saying wanna... they they substantially it will it will be operational by the end of the week it was okay. a hack it was carried out by a criminal group called dark side yeah and they said that they know who did it they know the people actually but they can't go get them because they're in russia and russia doesn't have law where they send them here so they can't do anything about it which is crazy all right you know i was looking at my car too while i was driving yesterday i've had my car for like two and a half years i only has fourteen thousand miles on it i'm sure you never got an oil change rotated your tires and none of that well i haven't had to get an oil change my car alerts me when those things happen but i do put oh oil goodness. in my car oh my goodness and i, I get it serviced pray for that when car. it says <laughs> when it says to service the car bring it in and get service and then every all the lights are gone that are lit oh. up Okay. All right. Now, Colorado Springs, the shooter who fatally killed six people at a birthday party, according to reports, was upset because he was not invited to the party. According to the police chief, Teodora Maceas, 28, had been dating Sandra Ibarra, who was one of the six victims, for about a year. Now, Ibarra and five other members of her extended family were shot in quick succession. They said he just wasn't invited to a family gathering, and his response was to open fire and kill six victims before taking his own life. That is so sad. I mean, we have to do something about the gun laws. And I know we keep talking about it. We keep saying it. We've been saying it for years and years and years. But something has to happen. I mean, there has to be some type of welfare check. Has to be some type of... Well, they're loosening checks. those gun laws. That makes no sense. Like, my shout out to my sister, Mercedes. She was I was talking to her yesterday. She went to go get a gun. And it was like, well, we can't give you a gun until you do some type of mental check. And I'm like... There's a lot of people that don't have to take that mental check. Yeah. Like, it makes no sense. It has to be across the board, and it has to be something maybe yearly, like every year you go to the doctor, every year you get a mental check, because people's mental change. And there's no way you can give somebody that power of having an AR-15 or a 9mm or a 40 caliber or a Glock or a gun or a Desert Eagle. Well, those laws are state by state. So we were just that talking sucks. about in Texas how now you can just be 21 years old and be able to buy a gun. That doesn't make sense because at 21, I shouldn't have been able to have a gun. All I right. And Liz Cheney has vowed that she is not going to remain silent as former President Trump is spreading lies that the election was stolen from him. And they're expecting to remove her from House Republican leadership today, actually. Here's what she had to say. This is not about policy. This is not about partisanship. This is about our duty as Americans. Remaining silent and ignoring the lie emboldens the liar. I will not participate in that. I will not sit back and watch in silence while others lead our party down a path 
that abandons the rule of law and joins the former president's crusade to undermine our democracy. All right. Even though she is a Republican, she's standing up against all these other Republicans that are supporting Donald Trump no matter what. And she's been very vocal about the fact that she feels like uh, this is a threat that America has never seen before. A former president who provoked a violent attack on this Capitol in an effort to steal the election. Don't you think she's a little too late on that? Oh, shoot. I mean, oh, yo, 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 yo. Guess what day it is. Listen, don't you think she's a little bit too late on that? I think that uh, she's been outspoken as far as... as, She uh, has? Mm -hmm. Yeah, she has. That's why all this is happening right now. That's why all the Republicans have turned their backs to her. So over the past four years, she's been talking out against Donald Trump? Well, now, I mean, I think most recently with everything that's been doing... But that's what I mean. He's not even in office no more. It's like all of that should have been said when she, he was actually in the White House, when he was in a position of power. Well, I would love to tell all the Republicans that. Yeah, of same course. Thing with, same thing with Instagram. They ban him when he leaves. Like, exactly. He, he talks all this smack for four years. You do nothing. The day he leaves, now we yeah, ban him. Now, Come on. Now you all of a sudden got courage and you well, point him out. Let I me mean, see what happens as soon as you speak out, right? They're removing her from power. So what? That's that's all the more and then reason. What? Then you speak you speak truth to power. That's what happens when you speak truth to power. There's never going to be a time in this country, in any space, where you speak truth to power and there may not be consequences. I mean, I commend her for being the one Republican right now that is actually being honest about that. And that is <laughs> right. your front page news. <laughs> okay. All right. Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, hit us up right now. Maybe you know somebody that's changed on you. They got, they got you decide, you got to say, they got a little doctorate and all of a sudden don't want to come to work on time. First of all, hold, wait a minute. Don't, you got- you, don't ever disrespect me like that. I haven't been coming to work on time in a while. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Don't have to do it. It has nothing to do with this doctorate, okay? All right. When I'm late, I'm just late. It's just like a doctor now. You know, when you have a doctor's appointment, it's never you, the doctor say nine o'clock. You always come at 9 15. Listen. My doctor's appointment says six. You're supposed to be there at six. I'm not intentionally late, okay? So what is it? Just some mornings. It just happens. It just just happens. This morning was one of those mornings. I was up uh, last night, you know, I I I was invested in something I should have just let go. That's what I was doing. What's his name? Shut up. (laughs) Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. I'm dialing. I'm dialing. Hey, what you doing, man? I'm dialing. I'm calling you. This is your time to get it off your chest. Whether you're mad or blessed. 800-585-1051. We want to hear from you on The Breakfast Club. (laughs) Hello, who's this? Hey, man, what's up? This is Mike, man. Mike, Mike get, what up, get King? Get off your chest, bro. Yes, sir. What's up? Hey, I just want to tell Charlemagne, um, hey, man, please stop being late. I need you to stop being late because I, I live to hear that yo, 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 man. I, I live to hear it, man. And, and the hey, fam, from Angela Yee, it just ain't cutting, bro. Let's be, I, listen, let me tell you something. Why y'all focus on the negative? I've been late three times this no. year. <laughs> Liter- literally three times this year. Twice this week mm. after you got your doctor. Yeah, I don't know about that. Three times this year. And I don't want to hear nothing from Angela Lee. She's never here. Okay? I'm here. I'm on time. And Twice this week. We're in a pandemic. Three. Oh, we're in a pandemic. Knock it off. And then your I'm boy, at your work. He said he even said the wrong, the wrong date. He said Tuesday. I definitely said it was Tuesday. Listen, man. It's a lot going on right now. Usually he's the one that right. he's the hump day guy, so I, I wasn't here. He wasn't I'm, here. And Tuesday might be hump day for Envy. I don't know what happens in the I'm never here. I don't know what day it is. Hey, last thing I want to do, man, I just want to, uh, I just want to shout out to my black queen, man. You know she gra- she just recently graduated Mississippi State for broadcast meteorology, man. Oh man, she gonna be a weather girl? 
Yeah, she's gonna be a weather girl. That's what's up, my brother. Congratulations, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You got yes, a good sir, one, child, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Have a good one, brother. Hello, who's this? Yo, this Capo from the BX versus Seven. What do you do, Happy? Capo, what's up, brother? Get it off your chest. What's up? What's up, breakfast club? Yo, y'all pushing not y'all, but everybody, everybody, everybody's pushing that vaccine like they fresh and they sell smack for. F- what's going on? <laughs> uh, what happened? Yo, everywhere I go, everywhere I go, every station I turn to, the TV, everybody. But you don't hear the CDC talk about it. You still got a bunch of doctors that, you know what I'm saying, that's being sensitive. They want to tell the truth and tell you, you know what I'm saying, about viruses and shit like that. Oh, pardon me. And things like that. Then you got, y'all talking about Trump stealing, undermining the Republican Party. Whoa. Y'all didn't try to teach it twice. Y'all dragged them through the floor. Y'all try to get them for taxes. Russian collusion, all this, bro, 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 why is he still relevant? If he's still relevant, because it has to be something, bro. Bro, a hundred elephants don't say it's peanuts, and and it's not peanuts, it's peanuts. Do your research and see if any of those states had the password to log into those machines so they could be able to be you. They never got the, uh, 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 the passwords from where, where they were supposed to get them. I don't know what you're talking about, but I do. Um, <laughs> I know, do. Okay, I do. I, I, I want to talk to you. Sounds good. Put Angela in your phone. Yes, sir. What's you good? Drunk. How you doing, love? I'm good. How you're are drunk. you? I'm all right. How's your week? How's your week going? Oh, pretty good. Our Brooklyn Nets won last night, so I'm excited about that. I know that's right. I, I know that's say. right. I know that's I, right. Hi, Capo. Yo, you. Yo, yo, every, every, I need a course. I need a course. Charlemagne, last time I called you, dissed me, bro. You dragged me through the floor. Bro. That is not true. You need to stop lying. I don't even know you, Capo. Yo, yo, yo. What course do you Black mean? Privilege Publishing. Black Privilege Publishing. I need some information on that. My man got some books. I need you <laughs> <laughs> I swear, I swear. I, 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 I Word, okay. Capo, well, hold on, Capo. For sure. Good luck, y'all. Peace and love, everyone. Hold on. Why are you holding on for Capo? Capo said he got some books for you, bro. Only book I got is Tamika Mallory's State of Emergency, How to nah. Win in the Country We Built. It's available right now everywhere. Capo wants to be the second release, man. Well, he's not. Anita Kopax is the second release in August. Shallow Waters, August 3rd. He, he wants to be third, then. Uh, no, I can't say who the third one is, but he's not third either. He wants to be fourth or fifth. Capo's nah, I'm, ready. I'm, 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 I'm booked up till about 2024. Capo, wait. Yeah. Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, hit us up now. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Let's go. This is your time to get it off your chest. Whether you're man or black. Say it with your chest. We want to hear from you on The Breakfast Club. So if you got something on your mind, let it out. Hello, who's this? Good morning, good morning. It's Xavier. Xavier, good morning. Get it off your chest, bro. Um, Actually, I just want to uh, start off with some positivity. I want to... Um, Shout out my sister and brother-in-law. They're actually starting their own business called Teacher Love Box. They actually called and got through to you guys about two weeks ago. Wanted to give it a shot again and let everybody know. Get on there and check it out. We wanted to just spread some love to the teachers. Okay. Will do, my brother. I always am a fan of spreading love to teachers, man. That is one of the most important jobs that's the most underpaid. Yeah, my mother's a teacher, English teacher, South Carolina, man. 30-plus hey, years. Hey, so, man, if you want to get our box, man, get one. 
What? Give me the website again. That that actually would be a good idea. What's the website again? Teacher Love Box Official. And that's on Instagram, and then you can get right to the right to the website. I'm gonna order one today, my brother. Teacher Love Box Official. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hey, Charles, you mind uh, sending me one of your books if you got any back in yet? Well, I don't, but I, I'll send you a copy of Tamika Mallory's um, State of Emergency: How to Win in the Country We Built. Oh yeah, definitely. And since yeah, it's Mental Health Awareness Month, I'll send you uh, Dr. Rita Walker's book too, The Unapologetic Guide to Black Mental Health. Yeah, I'll try that one out. Some mental health. Uh, help. Can't we all, my brother? Can't we all? Yeah. All right. Hold on, man. Yeah, call. Hold on, brother. Hold on, hold on, so I can get your address. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hello, who's this? Oh, this Q. Q, what up? Get it off your chest, bro. Hey, man, I want to speak on what you just said about what DJ Envy was talking about with uh, gun legislation. Oh, I missed gun that license. one. Yes. Go ahead. Yes. Yeah. I think I think you're speaking from a place of privilege, brother. I think you know you have enough money to be able to afford any type of personal security that you need. You know what I'm saying? For people out here, I think I think it's very irresponsible to vote against your own gun rights. Well, I think he you was know, just saying that people should still have to have background checks. I didn't say anything about mental about health checks rights. to get a gun. Not that you, you hear, shouldn't be able to have a hear, gun. You hear what you want to hear. I didn't say anything about that. I own numerous you guns. Did. And what I said was, what I said, you? I think that people need mental health checks before they're able to purchase a gun. I thought, be, I thought they do have those. No, no, no. Yeah, they have mental health. Not, I, it's a state by state, uh, state situation. By state. We were just oh. talking about in Texas. How they're trying to pass a law that you don't have to do that. Yeah, all I want, all I want your viewers to know is to black folks don't vote against your own gun rights, man. These folks are working hard, just like they, y'all didn't want them to take away your voting rights. Don't let them take away your. Well, voting I think rights. people want like, you to own guns responsibly, though, right? Like, do you think any anyone should be able to have a gun once they turn a certain age? Hey, this this Charlemagne yeah. the God talking. I think that um, owning a legal firearm in America as a black person is a form of self care, and I think you need Thank to blow you. your nose. And I think you need to blow your nose, sir. Yes, so look, yes, so even if you're threatening people online, even if you have a mental health issues, you should still be able to legally own a gun, you think? No way. I'm, no. I'm asking him because that's what he's saying. Uh, I mean, you guys can speak. I mean, if, if I turn the same situation into uh, to a car, to cars, can we say the same thing? You have to take a road test, right? Don't you have to get your license? You have to actually take a mm-hmm. driving test and be able to be fit to drive. You have to take an eye test, right? Well, don't they do these background yeah. checks everywhere, though? Yes, I, I'm, I'm confused. You can buy a gun offline. No, you can buy guns at trade shows. You can buy guns online, and they just do a background check to see if you've been arrested before. Not in every state you have to do a mental check. When I purchased my gun, I didn't have to do a mental check. I was 21 years old. They did a background check. You was in Virginia. Later. Yeah, I was in Virginia, and two days later, I was able to, to buy a forty caliber That's Glock right. at the age of 21. Sometimes they make you take my, training you where you have to store. learn how to use the gun. Right, I didn't know how to use it or nothing. They just gave me a gave me, and, I, and at, that, at that age, I wasn't mentally ready, honestly, to have that much power. Imagine you, know you I mean? get in a car, and you never have to take a road test. You never have to take driving lessons. You never have to take an eye test. Yeah, you're talking to somebody that owns numerous guns, but I'm glad right. that... That I had that, you know, that I wasn't stupid enough at 21 because at 21, my my ego's still fragile. You you don't know the power you have in that in that weapon. And I thank God every day I didn't do anything stupid. So yeah, I stand by that. I believe we should have the right to own guns, but I think that there should be certain procedures we have to go through to be able to purchase those guns. Same thing with a driver's license. I just want this brother to blow his nose, man. Don't talk again until you've blown your nose, bro. You sound so congested this morning, my brother. <laughs> But thank you for calling, though. We have, we respect your opinion. But I thought I thought I thought federally licensed firearm um, dealers were required to request background checks, and I thought those background checks include the mental health check. I don't know. No, the background check is they call, 
and uh, they make sure you haven't been arrested before, and then you're able to purchase a gun. Mm, okay. All right. Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. We got rumors on the way? Yes, and let's talk about the artist of the decade. Some people might have felt like it was over for him, but it looks like it's not. We'll tell you who it is. All right. We'll get into that next. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. It's about time. What's going on? This is the Rumor Report with Angela Yee on The Breakfast Club. So Drake is getting Artist of the Decade Award at the Billboard Music Awards. Think about all the accomplishments that he's had. It's based on the activity of the uh, Billboard Hot 100 and Billboard 200 charts, social media data, and touring revenue from December 5th, 2009 through September 28th, 2019. So during that time, Drake has had nine number one albums, 33 top 10 songs, six number one songs on the Hot 100, the most of any artist in the decade. He also has had the most number one and top 10 songs on the Hot R&B Hip Hop songs and top R&B Hip Hop albums charts. And even though Scary Hours 2, which was released um, in March, is outside the scope of the tally, by the way, that three pack also broke all kinds of records, too, with having the number one, number two and number three songs simultaneously. No dropping the clues bombs for Drake. I mean, you, you know, you, you can't deny yeah, that's what that he deserved. absolutely was the artist of the decade. I mean, you just you just can't and deny still going, that. still. Well, I going. mean, that's the question, right? Like, you know, that's all, that's been the question that I've presented. You know, can he sustain the run? Is he still the hottest doing it right now? But you know, yes, of the past ten years, you can't dispute that. I mean, just in March, he had the numbers one, two, and three song. That's the yeah. only time that's ever happened. That's his. He's story. still one of the hottest artists, hands down. I didn't say he's not one of the hottest. He's Drake. Drake is going to be always be Drake. I'm just saying he's still one of the hottest artists. Yes, he's still the hottest doing it, though. But yes, the past decade, absolutely, it's not even close. All mm-hmm. right. Well, the Billboard Music Awards are going to air Sunday, May 23rd on NBC at 8 p.m. And speaking of awards, the 2021 iHeartRadio Music Awards will be hosted by Usher. That's going to air Thursday, May 27th, live on Fox. Other okay. people who will be there the weekend with special guests Ariana Grande, Silk Sonic, uh, and Doja Cat. Also appearances from Taylor, Taylor Swift, Roddy Rich, 21 Pilots, Megan Thee Stallion, and more. So this is Usher's first time hosting, and the show is in its eighth year. Previous hosts, Jamie Foxx, Jason Derulo, Ryan Seacrest, DJ Khaled, Haley Baldwin, and T-Pain. If I went to an event that Usher was hosting and I didn't leave with some Usher bucks, I would feel uh, like I got I got shafted a little bit. <laughs> so okay. you want him to throw some Usher I bucks? I need some of the Usher bucks. You know how I got $2 so you feel shaft? You know, I got $2 Steve passes out the $2 bill. I want mm-hmm. I want Usher to do well, that for that one. That's right. So you don't feel shaft. I got you. Well, Chris Martin and Lil what? Nas X will give Elton John the 2021 iHeartRadio Icon Award Great segue. Also. Great segue. <laughs> All right. And Tina Turner's musical, Tina, is coming back to Broadway. We already told you these Broadway plays are reopening. So you can see that starting on Friday, October 8th. I took my mom to see that because my mom loves some Tina Turner. So Tina Turner said, I am thrilled that our musical will be reopened on Broadway. I remember with such warmth and appreciation the extraordinary welcome I received at our opening night. And I think she's amazing when you just see her whole entire career and the setbacks that she had and how she managed to make a comeback later on. I mean, Tina Turner's a mortal. Even when I see stuff now from Tina, like the documentary they did on HBO, it's just like I'm happy that she gets that, but what's love got to do with, do with it immortalized Tina Turner? Forever. Well, the way that she came back after that, I think, is also really what immortalized her. If that would have been it for her... You know, that would have been difficult, but she came back and was even bigger than she was when she was with Ike. All right, now Demi Lovato is getting a TV show about UFOs. 
So hmm. it's called Unidentified with Demi Lovato. It's a four-part docuseries. It's going to be on Peacock. And on the show, you'll see her, her friend Matthew, and her sister visiting UFO hotspots, also investigating eyewitness encounters and uncovering secret government reports. Does Demi believe, though? That's what I would like to know. Does she sure. believe in extraterrestrials? Mm. Well, I'm sure that's why they uh, they got her to do it. I don't see how you couldn't. But All right. Well, that is your rumor reports. Wow, that was fast. All right. Well, we got front page news next. What are we talking about? Yes, let's talk about Andrew Brown Jr. and his shooting. Now, we're uh, going to talk about what was in that police body camera video. We haven't seen it. But according to attorneys and according to his family, we'll tell you the timeline of events and some things you may not know. All right, we'll get into that next. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Your mornings will never be the same. Angela here, and the General Insurance understands that stuff happens, including lapses in auto coverage. At the General, they make it easy to get reinstated and will work with you to keep you covered. Call 800-GENERAL or go to thegeneral.com to find out more. Some restrictions apply. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Let's get in some front page news. Where are we starting, you? Well, let's start with Andrew Brown Jr. If you guys recall, he was fatally shot in North Carolina while police were trying to execute a warrant. He was in his car, and we have not seen this body and dash camera footage yet, even though the family and the attorneys for Andrew Brown Jr.'s family are asking for that to be released. But the attorneys and family members, have, some of the family members have been able to see what this footage looks like, so they're breaking down what's on that footage. Now, attorney Chase Lynch is talking about the first thing he saw with Andrew Brown Jr.'s hands being visible the whole time. We were able to see Mr. Brown sitting in his vehicle as he was ambushed. At all times, his hands were visible. At all times, you could see that he was not a threat. There was a shot fired. When the shot was fired, he put the car in reverse, putting several feet, if not yards, away from the police who were there. At no point did we ever see any police officers behind his vehicle. At no point did we ever see Mr. Brown make contact with law enforcement. Now that's important because the district attorney, Andrew Womble, is saying that officers fired when Brown was driving the car moving toward them and that the car made contact with officers at least two times before shots were fired. So that's why that's super important to understand. Attorney Chase Lynch also talked about the number of shots that these cops fired. There was a group of law enforcement that were in front of him. He went the opposite direction. As he turned to the left to go across his yard, a second shot was fired. And as he began to accelerate, his car was clearly across the yard. At all times, what we saw were police officers standing on the pavement unloading their weapons. There were so many shots that we found difficulty in counting the number of shots mm, mm, that mm, 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 his vehicle received. Mm, 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 mm. Now, Sellers and other attorneys for the family wants the DA to recuse himself from this case because clearly these police officers, the sheriff's office has been working very closely with the DA and he feels like there's a conflict. The only people in this matter who would be disadvantaged if he stays on this case are our clients, this family. If Andrew Womble was to recuse himself, there would be no prejudice to the officers in this case. In fact, we would be sure that justice could be carried out without the taint of impropriety. The fact that he will not do that shows that he has some other interests. Salute to my good brother, my South Carolina brethren, uh, Bakari Sellers. And here's the thing, you know attorneys are telling the truth in this case because if they weren't, 
uh, you know, the police department would have just released the whole video. It's a reason they aren't putting out the whole video, because it would just be more evidence that this is the problem with police officers and their interactions with black people. This is how they treat us. It's always shoot first, ask questions later. Fatal force is the only force they know how to use against us, because this is the only force they've always used against us in order to control us since the time we got here off them damn slave ships. I'm just curious what video uh, the district attorney, Andrew Wombo, saw that his account of what happened is so different than what everybody else saw. He probably saw the same exact video, but you, you know, they, he very clear about what team he played for. They need to release the video. They won't. All right, now Republicans in the Texas House have passed a bill yesterday that bans public school teachers from talking about racism, white supremacy, or current news events. The bill is being fast-tracked for the governor, Greg Abbott, to sign into law. So that means social studies and civics teachers aren't allowed to discuss that one race or sex is inherently superior to another race or sex or the idea that an individual, by virtue of the individual's race or sex, bears responsibility for actions committed in the past by other members of the same race or sex. How do we feel about that? Um, and, and, and one way I always feel like, you know, the biggest things that can always cause arguments are discussions about religion, discussions about politics, are, you know, to who's the greatest rapper of all time, right? Those are the things that cause a lot of arguments. So how do we feel about that in school? Do we need those discussions in school? I think you got to talk about history and racism is a big yeah. part of history. How do you discuss history in the United States without discussing it? Yeah, yeah. you got to be able to talk about history and everything that went on. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't even. Yeah. Uh, okay, it's controversial, but it happened. But you want them to discuss it's facts. You want them to discuss real history, right? And the fact that uh, we're even having a debate about what is real history nowadays is nuts to me. The fact that things like the sixteen nineteen project can exist and people would be like, "Well, that's not how it happened. That wasn't accurate. We shouldn't discuss that." Like it's just, it's just strange. So it's like if you're not, if if nobody can come to, uh, you know, get on one page about what the truth is. Should they discuss it at all? Is there other things they could be talking about in school? They also said teachers don't have to take any professional training like cultural proficiency and equity training if it makes them feel any type of discomfort, guilt, anguish, or any type of psychological distress. Okay, now what about this, right? Envy, you always talk about how, you know, they don't teach things like um, business in school, right? So what if, the, what, if, what if all of the stuff about history in the past we taught our kids at home and they focused on the future in school, just discussing what they need to be productive citizens in the future. I think they need both. I think we, you need to know where you came from to know where you're going, but I also think they need to teach those things that I always say, business, economics, taxes, stocks and bonds, uh, real estate. I think it's they like need to teach It's like taking a math class things. when you take, you know, accounting. Yeah, yeah but I just, I just think when you're a, a black kid, you can never rely on white teachers to teach you real history. Not saying that there's not white teachers who do, because there are some who actually sure teach do, yeah. the real history of America, but majority, I really doubt it. Well, I think parents who teach their kids at home are going to continue to do that anyway. Absolutely. Whether or not it's, you know. Okay. Yeah, but there's so there's so much history. So, I mean, that's that's one of the, the, the benefits of going to Hampton University. You have to take African-American studies for, mm -hmm. I think, two semesters, and they, they, they teach you about your history. Like, you have to. It's not like, I don't want to take that class. No, this is a requirement. So I think that's one of the, the best things about going to HBCU. No, I agree. That's how it was for me at South Carolina State. You know, I got my doctorate. So when I was there, yeah. you know. Oh, shut up, man. <laughs> what? <laughs> they teach us about black history. What's wrong with you? All right, but that is your front page what? I went news. to an HBCU, too. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> what are you talking about? My mom's an alumni of South Carolina State. So am I now. What are you talking this, about? This guy here, man. This guy here. I'm not making this up. I believe you. I believe you. I've seen it. I've seen it. That's All right, right Dr. Leonard. McKelvey, right. whatever Leonard. Your name is. <laughs> Leonard! Leonard.
You guys, All that's right. your front page news. All right. Well, thank you, Miss Yee. Now, when we come back, who, who are we kicking it when we come back? Who's who's joining us this morning, Yee? Uh, my angel Cody is going to be joining us. And she's actually helped a lot of people who had life sentences in prison get released. And these from her minor drug charges because of the three strike law. All right. And we're going to talk to her when we come back. So don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. We got a special guest joining us this morning. She got the flyer's name in the on in the universe. That's right, oh, my angel you. Cody. My angel. Wow, that's, right. that's amazing. Thank you. Yeah, my angel. What was it? What was, I mean? Yeah, I, I know it's self-explanatory. Purpose. Yes, but what, what, what was the meaning? Right, my, I was the first. Mm-hmm. I was the firstborn. So my mother was like, "Is either going to be Alicia or my angel?" And so she picked my angel. So I kind of grew into it. You know, mm-hmm. I think your name uh, is what you grow into. It's mm-hmm. a declaration. Did you ever think it was too big for you? No. Okay. I did, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a mandate. You know, I think that... Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I de- it sets expectations with my clients, for mm-hmm. sure. Now, when we looked you up, it says you pick locks to prison cages. I do. You get people out. So ex- explain what you do. So I'm a federal criminal defense lawyer. Mm -hmm. Um, I only represent men and women who are serving life in prison for drugs. So, you know, everybody who's been thrown away under the failed drug war, Mm -hmm. uh, they're still there and they're still needing lawyers to help get them out. So my team, I lead a team of women. We're 100% woman powered, black woman led Mm -hmm. law firm that goes in. We're like the SEAL team that goes in and gets people out of prison who have been buried alive. Is it easier now since they're legalizing marijuana at all, or is it more difficult? Is it? You know, um, no. Yeah, <laughs> because true. I think they're legalizing marijuana, but in a racially disparate way, right? And so some people, it's legal to, to grow, sell marijuana, and for some people, it's still a basis to pull you over, to stop you and search your car. Mm-hmm. So I think what's real, the real question is, is legalization uh, full blown or is it for some people right mm-hmm. is it mm-hmm. is that also just another flag of discrimination yeah I think the biggest form of hypocrisy is legalizing marijuana recreationally and for medicinal purposes but keeping people who got locked up for marijuana still in jail right like their records should be expunged they should be released immediately absolutely because what's happening is people are locked up for marijuana so the state is making money off of having them locked up mm-hmm. um incarceration is a huge private prisons are a huge business and then the state is making money off of taxing marijuana you know dispensaries mm-hmm. right and so it's like you want to have it both ways That's right. my angel i'm so happy you're here because i do want to start with uh the war on drugs right because you describe it so well and you do have a documentary that there mm-hmm. is strikes so let's talk about the war on drugs and how that affected us and then we can talk about the three strikes Yeah, so the war on drugs, we are in one of the third iterations of the war on drugs, right? Um, That started in 1986, and it was was because of the drug overdose of Lynn Bias, Mm -hmm. right? So he was first round, second draft pick in 1986. That night, died of a cocaine overdose. Congress then rushed and passed the 1986 uh, Controlled Substances Act, right? That implemented all of these very, very high mandatory minimum penalties, Mm -hmm. specifically about crack, that targeted the black community. 
and locked up people. And the way it was packaged and sold is we're doing this to help you all to stop this epidemic. And I think one thing we've learned since the pandemic is America is not the best <laughs> at responding to a public health crisis. That's right. And we've known that as from the black community's perspective for decades, at least. Right. And so the war on drugs was packaged and sold to us as a solution to a public health academic, uh, uh, epidemic. Um, but what essentially happened is it created a whole other epidemic of mass incarceration. That's right. And then there was the 88 crack laws. Right. Then there was mm-hmm. the 88 crack laws. Then there was the abolition of federal parole. Mm-hmm. Right. So you have mandatory minimums that are put in place and you abolish parole. So a lot of people don't know in the federal system when a judge looks at you and says you are going to receive a life sentence. That means you are going to die in prison. There's no parole board mm-hmm. in the federal system. Um, and so that's why, you know, I represent people who literally have been thrown away because they have no possibility of parole. How, how hard was it for you to vote for somebody like Joe Biden because he was the architect of all of those tough on crime legislations? 86 mandatory minimum sentencing, 88 crack laws, 94 crime bill. You know, it's hard for me to vote for anyone, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, in the current system, because I think until I hear someone truly talking about uh, mass incarceration abolition, um, then I'm not impressed. But I understand what I have to do in order to stop the you know bloodshed in the community. But it's been it's difficult, you mm-hmm. know. And I think you know one of the problems that I see is this this conversation about criminal justice reform, you know. And so as a lawyer, I'm like, that's that's fine. That's sort of the diluted solution. And I think we've all sort of rallied around this idea that we want criminal justice reform and we want prison reform. Um, but, you know, if this were 150 years ago, would we be saying we want slavery reform? Ooh. Or would we be saying we want segregation reform Ooh. or Jim Crow reform? Yeah. And so at what point did we start settling for reform? Instead of abolishing the, abolishing exactly. the whole system. Yeah, like, yeah. why would we... Why would we reform mass incarceration? Why not abolish it? That's the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think the difficulty for me is not only who I'm voting for, but the way in which the public consciousness about the solution is being diluted. So what do you, what do you think about the, the, the prison system? What would you do to change it, to make it, I guess, fair, if, if there would be a fair? Part of the problem is the prison system is built on a number of lies, myths, right? First myth is that only criminals are in prison. And we know that you can go to prison for, you know, not getting your GED if you're on parole or being on the porch with another felon, right? And so I think we have to first abolish the myth that Mm -hmm. people who are in prison committed some crime because that's not necessarily the case. Mm -hmm. I think we also have to attack the myth that People being in prison makes us safer. Mm-hmm. None of my guys who've gotten out and we've walked off life sentences were a danger to the community. And so I think part of the propaganda that the machine is spinning out is that you're safer with this black man in prison. Mm-hmm. And none of us who actually are in the culture would believe that, you know. And so I think attacking some of those myths are very, very important. I want you to know, man, if I was locked up, because I feel like I am, because I'm behind the wall, if you came, I would think I'm getting up. Yeah? Yes. Yeah, I'm getting I mean, you out. Yes, my angel, and you come with yeah. a presence. Yeah. Like, I, think I'm, I think I got a chance to come oh, home. Oh, I'm getting you out. Word. 
All right, we have more with attorney, my angel, Cody, when we come back. So don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We're still kicking it with my angel, Cody. Charlemagne. How do you think things would change if nonviolent drug offenses were treated with rehabilitation rather than imprisonment? I think that we would stop defunding our community if that happened. You know, I think that part of what we've seen is just generations of defunding the community. Mm -hmm. And if we reinvested in mental health resources, drug treatment, reentry resources, um, then that would radically shift the way in which people are able to access their healthy potential. Right. But, you know, for most of the guys who I stand with, the federal prosecution of them is like the first time that the system ever really paid a lot of attention to them. It wasn't the education system. Mm -hmm. It wasn't the healthcare system. If they experienced trauma, there wasn't any mental health services. But, you know, you get a drug case and the United States of America shows up to prosecute you. Wow. Right. Can you talk about your own background and why this is important to you? My father struggled with addiction and probably still does. You know, I messaged him a couple of weeks ago and was like, are you sober? And didn't get a response. Wow. So I think that um, this work is my way of forgiving, forgiving myself, forgiving, mm. you know, my childhood, forgiving mm. the person who sold drugs to my father. Um, and I think that that sort of restorative, it's a very personal level of restorative justice that happens. And then we can talk about wider restorative justice like then we can talk about how do we create restorative justice in the community and envision that um so for me is that i'm also very competitive and um you know i just wanted to be the greatest like i want the greatest numbers i want to win the most cases i want to set the most precedent i want the podium to shake and so that like level of competition uh also fuels me and in the case of your father why did why did you feel like you needed to forgive yourself for his addiction? Um, I think it was more me feeling like I needed to forgive myself for believing for so long that he wasn't addicted, mm. you know, and believing that there were other there there was some other excuse, there's some other reason, there's got to be, you know, and just kind of being like, dang, Angel, you didn't see that, you didn't know. Um, and like he had his own traumas that he was dealing with. He was self-medicating. Right. And just not me not seeing it. Yeah. Do you think we're getting close? I I, I asked this question, but I kind of know the answer. Do you think we're getting closer to recognizing addiction as an illness rather than a crime? Because I feel like they're definitely doing that in the white communities with the opioid crisis. But as far as with black people and our addictions. No. No, absolutely not. Um, And I'm reporting live from uh, the federal court podium. (laughs) No, I don't think that judges are recognizing uh, addiction as an illness when it is expressed in black people. Mm. I think that mental illness in itself is uh, a privilege that oftentimes we do not get to enjoy in court. Um, and as mitigating, as an explanation, not an excuse, but as an explanation for why we're standing in front of a judge. And repeatedly, I've seen where my clients who are white, 
Um, I can present mental health. I can get my psychologist experts and mm-hmm. present reports and it's heard um, and it factors into the calculation of how the judge is going to punish them, if at all. Uh, or if the you know prosecutor is going to give them pretrial diversion and dismiss the case, mm-hmm. right? But um, to say that this young black man experienced trauma and didn't have any counseling for it, and that's why he's standing before you, Your Honor, is it, it often doesn't, it's not heard in the same way. The potency somewhere between my lips and the judge's ears, something is lost. And it's amazing, right? Because we are the community that's dealt with the most trauma. Exactly. We are the community that deals with so many different mental health issues that you know don't get diagnosed. So when people say things, like somebody told me a quote the other day, they was like, stop being so forgiving the people because people know what the f- they're doing. I'm like, no, they don't. They don't because of the things that they've been through. They have no idea that they're reacting in this way, that they're projecting a lot of their own insecurities, their own hurt, their own pain. They have no idea. Right. No, they they might not have any idea. And I think that oftentimes courts have no idea how to handle people. So we turn people into numbers, right? You get the first thing that happens to you when you're arrested is there's a number assigned to you. Um, and then there's a case number assigned. And and then we look at how many kilos or grams. And it just, the whole apparatus is operating by numbers. How many mm-hmm. cases were closed? What was the sentence? The number of years? Um, and so I think that sort of dehumanization process, mm-hmm. it, it makes people have to shed their story of who they are, right? Like you come into court with your whole history of who you are, mm-hmm. um, but that you have to leave it at the doorstep. So who's helping you? How can how can people help you? I mean, because I'm just listening now, and if you do all this work pro bono, you're traveling, you have to get experts, you have to pay for court fees, you have to file. Like, there's a lot that yeah. deals with court. So who helps you? And and how can people out there that's listening, like myself, and say, you know what, we can donate something to, to you know, to continue on your mission? Yeah, absolutely. And so um, you could definitely donate at the www.decarcerationcollective.org. Mm-hmm. I would love that um, because we do have scholarships for children of incarcerated parents and mm-hmm. um, we offer reentry scholarships for people. So, yeah, I've had we've done some collaborations um, with some celebrities and influencers most Ye- recently. Kim K, right? Yeah, Kim K supported us um, for sure, definitely. Was and the 90 Days of Freedom campaign? She did. She did. I mean, we were doing the 90 Days of Freedom campaign, my co-counsel, Brittany Barnett and I. And and that was a dare. We were just like, we're going to see how many people we can get free. <laughs> like, we just, it was totally a dare. And it happened over text. Um, wow. And right. so, like, halfway through it, you know, she had heard about it Um through her, you know, work with Brittany and she just was like, I, I want to help you all, you know, fund it because we were literally traveling all over the country going into courtrooms. Um, That's amazing. Yeah. So 90 days, we got 17 people sentenced to life in prison out. That's a lot. Yeah, that was like no sleep. 17 people with life. <laughs> 17 with life in 90. Wow. Days. It was a dare. All right, we have more with attorney My Angel Cody when we come back, so don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We're still kicking it with federal attorney My Angel Cody. Now, she's been responsible of getting so many brothers out of prison. Now, you said you reached out to Trump and you sent videos to Barack Obama. Was he helpful when he was president? Um, 
Yeah, so I'll give you some numbers. And, and let us know because I, I see Donald yeah. Trump let people out as well. So we'll yeah. know all the numbers. Tell okay, us. let's get, I'm going to give you some numbers. I was one of the first attorneys to submit a clemency petition to President Obama. When I started writing, everybody was like, it's never going to happen. Clemencies are like, you know, lightning striking or winning the lottery. Um, and so I sent it in 2012. year later, that one was granted. Um, and it was one of the first eight that he ever did. Then he created this clemency project, and by the end of his second term, uh, 1,700 people had gotten commutations. 595 of those people were sentenced to life in prison. Wow. 595. Nice. Mm -hmm. um, so that's Obama's stats. Mm -hmm. President Trump, you know, I think he commuted maybe 20 or 30 people, maybe. Uh, I'm not sure on the exact numbers. 10 or 12 of those sentenced to life in prison so you know and i don't i don't despair so way more <laughs> the numbers speak see, for yeah, themselves absolutely. right and there's a lot of missing there's a lot of misinformation out there because donald trump will have you believe that he did all this work and obama did nothing what about kamala People harris and and vice president kamala harris and president joe biden have they been open i know it's only been a hundred days hundred and some days have they been open to the things that you've been doing I definitely think that there is an opportunity there to engage in some real bold action. I hope they will take it. They will have to. Especially Joe it, Biden for his legacy. The, it's for legacy, but also the morality of it. We are at the precipice. We cannot continue to pretend like we're, it's not serious business right now. Um, we're dying. And so, America's not a racist country, my angel. America's absolutely a racist country. <laughs> America's absolutely a racist country. Um, because if it wasn't a racist country, then the, the Biden administration wouldn't be opening these pattern and practice investigations, civil rights investigations in all these police departments around the country. That's right. Right. So they're they're investigating. The it. bills wouldn't be named after black people. Right. Who were, were right. murdered by the state. Exactly. I, I mean, and, but I do think, you know, um, what is required will have to be something more than reform. You know, and I, I think about this Justice and Policing Act and it, it's well, it'll pass probably um, and people will think that there was a solution, but it doesn't do what people think it does. So what, what language needs to be in the bill to where police officers are held directly accountable? Because I, I always say that if I'm a police officer, when I'm interacting with people, the thing I should be thinking about is my pension and prisons. Either right. I'm going to prison, or I'm going to lose my pension or they're going to hit my pockets in some way, shape, or form. They're going to take money out of my bank account, whatever. I'm going to be directly held, I'm going to be held directly responsible for this individual's murder. So what need, what language needs to be in there for that to happen? Right, because taxpayers shouldn't be funding our own murders. That's right. Right. Um, so the language needs to say that a cause of action can be brought against an individual police officer who commits a violation against an individual and regardless of whether they're acting under color of law, right? Because that's the problem. They always say, well, I was, you know, they hide behind the shield. I was acting under color of law. You know, I was afraid for my life or, you know, I thought he had a gun. Um, and that creates qualified immunity, right? It says as long as you're acting under color of law, mm -hmm. um, then you have a shield and you can't be personally sued. And that's the problem, mm -hmm. right? Like you, you could be personally sued in a car accident, that's the issue, and it has to be an absolute. It can't be a maybe. Mm. My angel, Cody. 
We appreciate you for joining thank us. You yes. for thank you for having me. So much. No, thank you for coming. And love to, love to see you again. Give us updates here yeah, of everything yeah. that's going on. Please, this absolutely. This is fun. No, nah, it's dope because you know, even what you, what you said about Kim K earlier, it's just like, oh, this is what you're supposed to do when you have a platform. You're supposed to shine light on folks yeah. like you. That's all, that's all I ask anybody to do. Like, I hate seeing people on CNN or MSNBC talking about things like that they shouldn't be talking about. Just bring right. bring the experts on. Right. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. There's a lot of people talking. I'm like, please don't. You're not helping. <laughs> <laughs> You're not helping. Nobody's getting out of prison with you right. talking. Absolutely. But we appreciate you so much, my Angela. And thank you thank so much you. for coming through. Thank you, Angela. That's right. It's my Angel Cody. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Hey, morning, everybody. It's, like it's that, DJ NV Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. Good morning. No one wants to say good, good morning. morning. Uh, forget y'all. It's Wednesday. I'm happy. <laughs> All right, let's get to the rumors. Let's talk Chris Rock. It's time, time, time. She's spilling the tea. This is the Rumor Report with Angela Yee on the Breakfast Club. Well, Chris Rock was talking to Esquire magazine, and he was talking about his. Turning down movie roles with The Rock. He said that is something that he did before. He said, years ago when I was famous and The Rock wasn't, and they would say, hey, you want to do a movie with The Rock? I'm like, are you effing crazy? That's the wackest ish I've ever heard. He said, but now the guy's like the biggest action star in the world. And I'm like, hey, can I get two lines? Another thing that they did was they showed him pictures of certain moments in his career, and he described what was happening. So they show him a picture of him in the Little Nas X video. I had no idea who Lil Nas X was, right? So I get asked to do this video, and I asked my daughter, Zara, should I do this video? She goes, what? Of course you should do this video. Like, I'm in the video for the biggest song ever made. I don't know how the f that happened. And by the way, I'm, I'm allergic to horses. So I had to ride a horse all day. I thought my toe was gonna close up. Like, I almost died for Lil Nas X. I think I'm allergic to horses, too. How would you know that? Because when I, I, it's like a, a animal dander thing, my eyes get itchy. Really? If I'm around horses and um. When you just randomly around horses, you grew up in New York. Yeah, yeah they always I, have the horses in by Central Park. Oh, okay. And I did really? a horse ride once, and I was like sneezing, my eyes were itching. I mean, so it's I was not like, like never again. <laughs> not like New York's air isn't trash though. Yeah, but only that at that time when I was with the horses. Then when I was gone, I was fine. Mm. And New York horses are a little different though. They they don't look like other other horses. They it, look it sounds sad, crazy. Right? They look sad. They do look yeah, sad. They, they definitely look sad. They're like I got to walk through traffic, and you know, ain't nobody. <laughs> All right. Now, in addition to that, they showed him a picture of CB4. The movie CB4. I wrote CB4, me and a good friend of mine, Nelson George. And that, this is years before I was on SNL or anything. It's actually, when I really think about it, I consider CB4 my greatest accomplishment because I got a movie deal before I was on anything. By the way, it's where I was talking to my agent a couple of days ago. I was debating, do I want to do CB4 tour dates? I don't think y'all know how much I love CB4. I actually have a, a new take for a CB4 film. I love CB4. All right, and then he talks about one of the last times that he saw Chris Farley alive. I'm playing a Universal Amphitheater, and it was my first big tour. I don't know, this looks like one of the last times I saw Chris alive. I would see him one more time, and I did a gig in Chicago. We tried to hang out afterwards, but you know, I don't know if you ever like really hung out with an addict towards the end. You know what I mean? Anything that isn't the drug, is a chore, and I remember I was at his apartment, and he showed me his apartment, and I leave, and I see him out the window, and I was like, ah, that's probably the last time I'm gonna see him. 
Yikes. Does this generation even remember Chris Farley? Yeah, he died in 1997 of a drug overdose. It's people that weren't even born. Mm-hmm. He was 33 years old at the time. Mm. All right. Um, now, let's do a little recap of what's happened since we told you about Portia and Simon from Real Housewives of Atlanta being engaged and Simon breaking up with Fallon, who he was also on Real Housewives of Atlanta with. They were married. So Fallon has responded. She posted, I want to thank everyone for reaching out to me and offering their love and support. At this time, I am focusing on finalizing my divorce and healing, sending positivity to all of you. Sincerely, Fallon. Now, Portia has since been posting, and she posted a meme that said, if you if, if you don't give a damn, we don't give a F, was a couple. And it's a picture <laughs> of Portia and Simon together. And she reposted that. And then, apparently, Portia is saying that she just was not friends with Fallon. And it was a made-up storyline, according to TMZ. Multiple sources have confirmed that Fallon and Portia were never friends. Because people were saying that Portia took her friend's um, husband... Mm-hmm. And she said, literally, they met the day that they filmed together on Real Housewives of Atlanta. Producers simply told them to act as if they'd known each other. So that's why it shows on the screen when you first see Fallon, it says friend of Portia's. Who didn't know that, though? I said that yesterday. Well, people don't know. If you watch the show and it says that's her friend and then you see in the interviews that Fallon did. Guys. Where she talks about how they met and she said they were cool with each other and that Portia's really sweet. But we know we've been watching years of reality TV. Like, I mean, common sense would tell you because Portia said that's not my friend. Common sense would say, OK, that was just something that was set up for reality TV. Now, Portia, I, mean, I know when she said it yesterday, but before I thought they was really friends. All right. Now, Portia says her ex, Dennis McKinley, is supportive of her new relationship because people were also saying that Dennis and Simon were friends. So they actually uh, broke the bro code. But she also is saying now that they were never friends either. So there you go. All right. And Portia, by the way, has allegedly landed a three part uh, Bravo special about her life. Of course. And I know people will be tuning in to watch that. You know, now, they I, also did the Porsches having a baby spinoff back in 2019. Yeah, I saw that yesterday. But what is it? Three part special about her life? Isn't she on Housewives of Atlanta? Don't we see her life on there? What's like what? What is this one? Well, I, I guess, guess it'll be the marriage. Just on her. And then I seen something mm. yesterday that she's allegedly pregnant. So I, I guess it's on the whole marriage and all that. Well, they're saying that this special was greenlit months greenlit months ago. So it has nothing to do with everything that's happening now, but it's going to focus on her, on her activism, because, you know, she comes from a family of activism mm-hmm. and her family. She and does? I guess now this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, listen, one thing you can't say about Portia is she's, she's entertaining. Okay? Yes. She's definitely entertaining. You can't say she's not. All right. Well, that is your rumor report. All right. Thank you, Miss Yee. Charlamagne! Speaking of reality shows, uh, this reality show that I'm about to do for after the hour is called The Flavor of Butt Cheeks. We'll talk. What? Okay. Just bring your butt cheeks to the front of the congregation. We'd like to have a conversation with you for after the hour. Okay? Right. It's hump day! <laughs> all right. Dog, the day's up next. It's the breakfast. Why do you get so excited? Relax. All right. You get donkey at a date. Yeah, you dumb ass. You get donkey at a date. Yeah, you dumb ass. You are a donkey. It's time for Donkey of the Day. Donkey of the Day, huh? I'm going to fatten all that shit around your eyes. They want this man to throw them blows, man. They wait for Charlemagne to tap these gloves. Let's go. They had to make a judgment of who was going to be on the Donkey of the Day. Mm. They chose you. Yes. The Breakfast okay. Club, bitches. Who's Donkey of the Day today? I'll tell you as soon as I swallow my fish oil pill. Add hold on. Mm. 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 Uh, all right. <clears throat> okay. Donkey of the Day for Wednesday, May 12th. 
goes to a Michigan man named Nathaniel Saxton. Now, someplace, somewhere today, there is someone getting ready for court. That court may be virtual. Uh, I'm sure it's some places who have resumed in-person court hearings. But if you have ever, you know, had to be in a courtroom like I have, one of the first things a lawyer is going to tell you to do is look presentable. Hell, people who love you, who have been through the court system before, will tell you, wear a suit, get a haircut. I remember I was in court uh, one time for uh, pointing and presenting a firearm, and my attorney told the judge, uh, look at his shoes. Look at the shoes he's wearing, because they were nice. They were actually some rust-colored leather Timberlands, so I don't know what was special about them. But I ended up getting probation, so it must have worked. Salute to Stephen Davis from Mount's Corner, South Carolina. Dropping a clues bomb to Stephen Davis. Okay. His son's an attorney now, too. Uh, they always tell you to dress conservative in court. Something, you know, you would wear to church, work, or a nice social social function. Anybody who tells you otherwise is trying to get you tricked off the street. Google look presentable in court and see what comes up. Y'all don't believe humans anymore. You're not going to believe your Uncle Charlotte. So believe your laptops or your phones. Just Google look presentable in court, and it'll say be well-groomed and presentable. You'll want to style your hair or at least keep it tamed and in place, shave. Or if you have facial hair, make sure you're... Beard or mustache is neatly pruned. What does that mean? What does pruned mean? Like trimmed. Oh, okay, okay. It also says brush your teeth, trim your fingernails, wear deodorant. Treat this like a job interview or first date. The moral of the story is be presentable in court. Okay, I don't know how any of this works via Zoom, but you know, we've all seen enough Zoom interviews over the past year to know that people still show up looking spiffy, at least from the waist up. Okay, we may have basketball shorts on the bottom. Women might wear sweats at the bottom, but at least from the waist up, you know, we're presentable. Okay, now. Uh, in this virtual world, a lot of us, when we get on these Zooms, we have nicknames as our names. Like, you know, when I'm on a Zoom, my name is Radio Face. So when I'm on Zoom, it's Radio Face. When I'm doing something like I was doing yesterday, because we had a, a virtual book event for Queen Tamika Mallory, because her new book, State of Emergency, How to Win in the Country We Build, is out. We had that for the Scram Bookstore. My name was presented as Leonard C. to God McKelvey, or it might have just been Charlemagne to God. Either way, that's presentable. But if I was in court, best believe my name would just be Leonard McKelvey, right? That's just a presentable way to do things. Well, Nathaniel Saxton didn't get that memo. See, on yesterday, Nathaniel was in court and Judge Jeffrey Middleton presided over the Zoom conference that included eight people with matters before the court. I'm just going to sit back and let this whole exchange play out because this is what you call comedy gold. Matter of fact, for the sense of humor that I have, the type of things that I like to laugh at, this is comedy platinum. Matter of fact, this is diamond. Listen to how Nathaniel Saxton presented himself in court. Listen. Good morning, sir. What's your name? Nathaniel Saxton, sir. Your name's not but or 3000, you yo-ho. <laughs> Logging into my court with that as your screen name. What kind of idiot logs into court like that? What's your name again? Nathaniel Saxton, sir, but I don't believe that I typed anything like that in. Well, that's what it says. Yeah, you should. I'll put you in the waiting room. You can sit in limbo for a while and think about what you call yourself online. Uh, I think Judge put him in the waiting room because he wants to talk to him after the court is over. Uh, judge Jeffrey Middleton asked a very valid question. What kind of idiot logs into court with a name like that? I'll tell you what kind of idiot. The kind of idiot who thinks he's outsmarting the judge. See, why would you ever send someone named Butt Effort 3000 to jail? 
sounds to me like jail would be a fun house for Bud F for 3,000. <laughs> okay, I hate that he uses 3,000. Andre Benjamin didn't spit one of the greatest rap verses ever on Y'all Scared off the Equimini album for y'all to take his name and put a Bud F in front of it. But you think... He, but Nathaniel uh, Saxton thinks he's slick. This is the equivalent of the guy in Training Day. Remember the movie Training Day when the three wise men are talking to Alonzo and they're talking to him about how one of the guys got off because the dude put peanut butter in the back of his pants and stuck his hands in his pants and then pulled his hand out, covered in peanut butter and licked his finger clean and then the judge just sent him to a psych ward for like six months or something. That's what Nathaniel Saxton was hoping happened in this situation. The judge would never send someone who loves the... F butts to jail, would he? <laughs> now, in, now, in Nathaniel's defense, he didn't say what kind of butt. How many different flavor of butts are there, Envy? I mean, I know there's male, there's female. What, what is it? Cheddar and sour cream, sour cream and onion? I, I'm not Butter familiar pecan. with this subject, sir. <laughs> Chili cheese cheeks? What's your favorite flavor, Envy? Uh, I, I don't have a favorite flavor. You're so. a liar, Envy. Okay, <laughs> your username used to be Butt Effer for the nine nines and two thousands. All right, <laughs> <It's not> true. <laughs> I don't have anything else to say about this other than play it again. Your name's not Butt three thousand. You yoho. Yo, what, what is, is a yoho? What is a yoho? What is a is that somebody's username? I think that they were like seeing eye to eye. The judge was like, "Oh, you're a Butt Effer. I'm a yoho." I'm a, what is a yo-ho? I don't. <laughs> Some donkey today is just sell themselves. Uh, please give Nathaniel Saxton the biggest he are. No. No. We're not going to play Okay, okay, okay. Yes, let's do it. I guess we'll play a game of guess, guess what, what race, race it is. Nathaniel Saxton of Michigan showed yes. up in virtual court with the name, the screen name, Butt Effa 3000. <laughs> Angela Yee, guess what race he is? Um, the only reason I'm going to say African American is because of you guys. <laughs> <laughs> what does that Excuse mean? Excuse me, Angela what? Yee? Huh? Well, you guys are black, and I could see that being your name too. <laughs> Why? Whoa. That's racist. Okay. I don't know if it is. I just uh, want to say that. Uh, I was Na like, what? <laughs> Nathaniel Saxton. Oh, okay. Nathaniel Saxton from Michigan in virtual court with the screen name Butt Effa 3000. DJ Dramos, guess what race he is? Uh, this is this is white privilege at its finest, man. This is yeah, I can see why you say that. Yeah, that's what it is. <sighs> Only somebody that has a level of privilege and uh, entitlement would show up with that name. Mm -hmm. uh, DJ Envy. Yes, sir. Nathaniel Saxton from Michigan. Yes. Stole your screen name, but updated it by a thousand years. His screen name is Butter for 3000. Guess what race he is? I'm going white. <laughs> is that what flavor butt you want, Envy? <laughs> is that your final answer? I'm going white. Only white people play these type of games with judges like this. Well, DJ Dramos and DJ Envy, you are absolutely correct. I knew it, I knew it. I knew Nathaniel it. Daniel Saxton, you're absolutely right. Only a white man will play with the judge in this way. Yep. Only a white man. Are you out of your damn mind? I need to know what charge he was facing. And that's the other reason I know he was white, because they didn't tell you what charge he was facing in the goddamn um, the, the New York Post. Or whatever. Where I get that from? Daily News, one of them.
I'm just want to well, say you yeah, guys I'm offended. Were... I'm offended what you said because yeah, you yeah. guys do this all the time. So I was, <laughs> thought he was black. I just when he said butt effort, I was like Charlemagne envy black. But we don't know what flavor <laughs> butter was. We don't know if it was male, female, chili cheese cheeks. We don't know. I guess I just affiliated it with y'all. Wow. Oh, thanks. All right. Well, I'm glad well, you think you. of a. Uh, Think of us in that way. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, what you, you call butt effing, we call bonding. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we call it now? Goodness gracious. All right. <laughs> Ask Yee is next. 800-585-1051. Uh, you got a question for Yee? You need relationship advice, uh, any type of advice, or maybe uh, Zoom names advice. Whatever you need from her, call her now. She will help you out with your problems. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. What, 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 what you wanna know? Baby mama issues? Need some words of wisdom? Call up now for Ask Yee. 800-585-1051. The Breakfast Club. Come on. Need relationship advice? Need personal advice? Just need real advice? Call up now for Ask Yee. Keep it real. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. It's time for Ask Yee. Hello, who's this? Hi, it's Jay. Good morning, y'all. What's Good up, Jay? Morning. How y'all doing? Good. Bless Black and Holly favorite. How you feeling? What's up? Good. I'm I'm doing good. Okay. Miss Angela. Oh, Good morning, Charlemagne. Good morning. Queen. Good morning, Angela. Okay, so look. Miss Angela. Okay, yes. so I have four kids with one man. Mm-hmm. And he gets our kids every other weekend. Okay. And sometimes he doesn't even get them on the weekend because he has to go out of town. So, like, that interrupts my work. Okay, so mm-hmm. basically, am I wrong for not giving him some of the stimulus checks? No. <laughs> That's Ooh. the whole answer. Hey, I thought I was crazy. Okay, I'm so glad that you said that. Is he trying to make you feel like you're wrong for that? Yes, he is. He, he puts me down. Like, he throw dirt on my name. Like, he's just, like, so mean at times. And even with the... um. The tax, our taxes, my taxes. Mm-hmm. Like he's trying to count my pockets, and like he's trying to be like, "Oh no, I'm, I deserve this, I deserve that." Whoa, whoa, like, whoa! Slow down now. Y'all are not even together, right? No, ma'am, we're not. And he got other kids with other people. Yeah, well, listen, that is not your problem. You know what you're trying to do? Make sure that you survive and take care of your kids. That's why that stimulus yes, check has you know. your name on it. Yes, exactly. So I'm just like, I know I'm not crazy. And he feels like he's entitled. And he had, he had child support with other kids. So, like, if I was to let him foul a kid, that child support will take that. No, that's not on you. You have you have uh, more control over that. I mean, you're with the kids more than he is. You're taking care of them yes, more than he yes, is. Yes. Does he pay you child support? No, ma'am. Well, girl, you are a blessing. Okay, you are a blessing in that man's life. He better be glad you are not taking money from him for child support that you deserve to have. If anything, he owe you some money. Yeah, I know. Right. Oh, my God. But he does not understand that. Like, I really feel like he needs to go to counseling. All right. Let's break it down like this for him. This is what we're going to do. Right. We're going to count up the amount of hours that you spend with the kids. And taking care okay, of them okay. and the expenses yes. that you have and let's count up the hours that he spends with the kids and the amount of money that he spends on them and then let, let's see what that comes out to and then whoever yeah. owes the other person money they got to pay it oh my god i love that i i we i i do need to break that down so oh my god all right well jay you are absolutely right you deserve even more i appreciate you so much thank you all right take care 
All right. Ask Yee. I know that's right. 585-1051. If you need relationship advice or any type of advice, call ye now. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Here's some real advice with Angela Yee. It's Ask Yee. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We're in the middle of Ask Yee. Hello, who's this? Jelani. Hey, Jelani. What's your question for Yee? I'm married. I'm polyamorous. Okay. Um, and bisexual. I love Polynesian Everybody. sauce, too, from Chick-fil-A. It's so good. Shut up, man. <laughs> it's good, right? Yes. Um, but I'm also dating another woman who's married. I'm polyamorous. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering, because we both have husbands, but because I'm poly, um, I'm sort of dating another man as well. And this lady is has been in a mix between he and I. And I have been intimate with her husband with no real communication behind it. But mm-hmm. any type of expectation or desire to want to be intimate with her uh, confuses the guy and, and myself that we both um, hang out with, all three of us hang out with, and she benefits from him financially. So I don't understand if I should pull away from her because she's more after the financial aspect, like on some sugar baby stuff, or keep patient. Wait, I'm confused. So who's giving her money? The both of us, my myself and the other guy that I'm dating. Okay. But supposedly, she doesn't really want to date him or something like that. Well, do you care if she dates him? No, and it's not, uh, and it's, it hasn't been asked. So, no, I don't care. So, what's, what's the problem? The problem is that money is going out um, without an explanation of what's up. For example, like with poly people... We communicate a whole lot. We call it processing because you have to with most right. Of, you know, a lot people. of communication, so nobody gets it confused. Yes. Everybody's consenting. Right. So now I'm just getting tired. We're supposed to go to this event next next week in Atlanta, and a lot of money has been going out without much in return being given back. So that's why I'm like, should I just move on to another woman that is well, more interested in just receiving? Reward. All right, so you feel like she's just doing it for the financials and she's not really invested for any other reason. Right. I'm not saying she's not. It just seems that way because I can't even be intimate with her, but she was easily intimate with me and her husband. Does that make sense? All right, so you think she's doing this to get money from her husband and... From, I, from who I... No, not from her husband, but from who I'm dealing with. This is confusing. <laughs> Right. I'm not going to lie, Jelani. So, but I will say this. You know what you said? That was a clue to me. You said, I'm tired. Mm, okay. So well, that's the answer right there. Yeah. And you just tired. And it feels like it's already a lot of uh, communication, like you said, that you have to do. Yes. It's already a lot of confusion that could come about. And I do feel like if you're having some red flags, that you should really pay attention to that. Because a lot okay. of times you want to. It is confusing with poly stuff. Yeah, that was all very kind. Because I'm like, who's paying money for what? And she's not giving Mm -hmm. back. I I don't have time to explain it easily right now on the radio. But, uh, yeah, I just wanted to see if it was best for me to keep it moving, to keep, you know, my mental peace instead of trying to figure out somebody's intentions. Because you don't, Um, do you have feelings for her? Yeah, and I think she has feelings for me, but she just isn't as communicative. Okay. And what happens when you tell her that? Um, She says that she'll do better. 
Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you you have to tell people like specifically, not just communicate more, but specifically like when you did, you know, when this happened, this is how it made me feel when you didn't let me know this or a result of this is that you have to be very explicit and spell things out for people sometimes to give them examples of where it is that they're messing up when it comes to communicating so that you can let her know specifically what the issues are. Like you said, it okay. is confusing. It is a lot going on. Yeah, and I appreciate you telling me that because um, I'm probably used to not having to do so much. You know what I mean? Right. But everybody's different, so I appreciate you telling me that. You're right, because some people, like, for her, you it's, it's kind of like when you're in a relationship with somebody and they're not used to doing things the way that you're used to it, so it's not as smooth, so that means it, it requires a little bit more training on your part for that person. Yeah, because I'm just, like, I'm tired with the fact of it seeming like you were open to me being intimate with you and your husband, but basically I have two gentlemen on my end, my husband and the other guy that I'm dating, but she can reap all the benefits financially, Right. But then not explain why she can't involve herself with either of mine intimately. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's all I'm like. Jelani, do y'all be all using condoms and stuff? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering. And you get tested on a regular. I mean, but that's normal or it should be normal in this kind of love style. How did you get into it? Um, my husband and I just saw women were pretty together a long time ago mm-hmm. <laughs> and decided to start uh, dating together. But we ended up over time dating separately which is called solo poly okay so he don't does he mess with men also we're both pansexual so no he does not mess with men but in the past he has uh dealt with trans women and myself as well and okay. i'm not telling his business wrong but he wouldn't right, mind he's if fine he's on the radio all right no listen <laughs> I, we haven't had a, this whole conversation before so it's interesting yeah may i shout myself out though go you ahead jelani i don't know when I'm, Y'all follow me on Delani the Muse, J-E-L-A-N-I underscore T-H-E-M-U-S-E to get more of my business. Okay, Jelani. Um, and I'm hosting an event in, in Houston in the Galveston area next month, the Juneteenth weekend for poly and non-monogamous people. For anybody interested. All right. Thanks, mm-hmm. Jelani. Maybe we'll have well, some more you. conversations. I hope y'all work it out. All righty. <laughs> thank you. Bye. All right. Ask Yee. 800-585-1051. If you need relationship advice or any type of advice, you can hit it anytime. Now we got rumors on the way? Yes, and let's talk about Quest Love. He recently did an interview where he said that Dr. Dre saved the roots. All right. We'll get into that next. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. All the gossip. The rumor report. Angela It's the rumor report. The Breakfast Club. Well, Michael Jordan has revealed his last text exchange with Kobe. He was talking to ESPN's Jackie McMullen. And here's what he said. This exchange took place December 8th, 2019, 49 days before Kobe Bryant passed. And first, Kobe complimented him on his Sincoro tequila. He said, This tequila is awesome. And Jordan responded, thank you, my brother. And then Kobe said, yes, sir, family good. Jordan said, all good, yours. He said, all good. And then uh, Jordan said he was really into coaching Gigi, so I hit him up about that. And he said, uh, happy holidays and hope to catch up soon, Coach Kobe. And he said, I added that little crying, laughing emoji. You know, stuff like that is why um, people that I, I, I love and I care for, like I always try to say, like, I love you. At the end of a conversation, because you just, you know, you just never know. And when people pass, you go back and you look at those things and you always feel like, man, I wish I would have just said, I love you. I uh, appreciate I you something, you know? I am. I am. Go ahead. 
Now, speaking of Kobe Bryant <laughs> getting inducted into the Hall of Fame alongside his friends and competitors, <clears throat> uh, Tim Duncan and Kevin Garnett, since uh, obviously Kobe can't be there, Jordan is going to take his uh, place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. <clears throat> You want to say something to me, Charlamagne? Man, you in Atlanta. You better get whatever out your throat out your throat. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love you, though. You know I love you, bro. Come on. Stop right. like now, Michael Jordan said <laughs> that about six months ago, he sent a, a text to Vanessa to check on her. He said, I told her, look, I know this is a tough time. I'm always here if you need me. And she answered, I would love it if you stood up for Kobe at the Hall of Fame. Damn. That's oh. oh, beautiful. Salute to them. Say it back. Say it back. You know I love you, bro. all right and since we're talking basketball j cole is going to be the first rapper to ever be on the cover of slam magazine okay they posted jordan was like jesus slam was like the bible j cole is the first artist to be featured over master p master p never been on the cover of slam i don't recall that but they're saying he's the it's historic for them interesting He's the first rapper or solo artist ever placed on that cover. And it's 27-year history. And I think J. Cole playing for uh, the, the Basketball African League is amazing. And I think that league, you know, is it, I think merchandise is going to be through the roof for that league. Absolutely. I know I, I know I can't wait to buy me a jersey from uh, my, my, my native land. All right, now Questlove is recalling a story of how Dr. Dre actually helped to save the roots. He was having a conversation with Mark Ronson on The Fader Uncovered, and he talked about MCA Records imploding, and then The Roots' career was in limbo, and here's what he said happened. Dr. Dre and Jimmy Iovine had a a breakfast meeting. Jimmy basically let Dre control the MCA guillotine. Okay, who do we save, who don't we save? I remember eight of us got saved. Mary, Common, I remember our name being last on that list. The way that the email came to us is sort of like that high school musical, like you look to see if you made the part of the thing you're looking down. Oh, is that when MCA became part of Interscope or something like that? Or they dissolved MCA and took some of the artists over to Interscope? There was no MCA anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how I think it was Geffen, MCA, and then Geffen transferred to Interscope, so... That's what happened, and they kept some of the artists. They kept eight acts. You know why I know that? Because I used to do A&R for a record label called Never So Deep Records, and they were a subsidiary of MCA. I remember when that happened. I used to manage the Jizza, and he was signed to MCA. Mm-hmm. Needless yeah. to say, we didn't make the cut when that dissolved. Salute to my man DJ Bless and uh, Dr. Robert Evans. Yes. All right. Now, it looks like uh, another thing that didn't make the cut is this Joe Button podcast. So I saw a lot of people talking about this on social media. I guess He's the podcast right was posted and then taken down. And here is what we were able to recover thus far. Y'all go get the advertiser and the integration. Hey, we talk about these deals all the time. You bring it, you eat different. I bring it, I eat different. You niggas ain't brought shit and got the nerve to have y'all representation and ain't been around in six years hit Ian phone we gonna do this since Rory feels like he has so many options here Rory you are in breach of your contract and from this point forward you are fired and you're not welcome back Jeez. So I That's guess how you treat your friends what the hell is going on over I there? thought they made amends I don't know what happened oh well but well, didn't they say like five years ago that the Breakfast Club would only be around three more months or something like that? Did I remember hearing one of them say that? And listen, I don't know. I haven't heard a thing, but I just guess now. Is there any coming back from this? They shouldn't have been coming back from the way he was talking to them last time. 
I'm not gonna talk to me disrespectfully. But they did go I, back. I so back. is there a way yeah. to ever resolve this? No, he owe me five minutes. Matter of fact, Rory's I, been asking for five minutes for years. He should get his five minutes. I just want to say um, uh, happy born day to my friend uh, Dolly Bishop. She's the president of the Black Effect Podcast Network. Today is our born day. Drop on a clues bomb for Dolly Bishop. I love you, I value you, and I appreciate you. And I also want to say, uh, Tamika D. Mallory, state of emergency, how to win in the country we built. My other friend, I love her, and I value her, and I appreciate her. Her book is out right now, available everywhere in all formats. I just want to tell you, if, if you ever talk to me like that, you owe me five minutes, bro. But I still love you. What is going on? What is butt effort 99 in the 2000 talking about this morning? <laughs> Andy, what, what are you talking about? You told me you love me. I said I love you back. I do. What are you talking about? <sighs> God is good, man. I mean, you know. He seems so upset. All right. Well, that is your rumor report. All right. Thank you, Miss Yee. You know, I want to shout out to uh, our board op, uh, Dramos, man. Yeah. Dramos purchased his uh, first home this year that he owns. Mm -hmm. He also has an investment property because he gets money. Where'd you buy your house? Off. Don't tell him where. I can't tell you. Yeah. Please um, don't. Because according I, to certain mayoral candidates, it's only about eighty to $90,000. If you well, he lives in, in Jersey. He lives in Jersey, <laughs> okay. and he, he also has a, real t a retail space that he rents out as well. I just want to say I'm proud of you, and, and that's what we're trying to do to make Thank sure that, that we all mm -hmm. own something. We teach each other how to do it, and I just want to say I'm proud of you, Dramos, for owning your own home. You I'm own so, it. I'm so, I'm I'm so, I'm so proud you. of you. Yeah, a lot of people be having conversations <laughs> about ownership and, you know, don't even own a house. So salute to my dude, um... Dramos. And, you know, we all know how Dramos got there. You Why know, do you feel like y'all took his Dramos, shots at some Dramos was uh, living with another 30-year-old man for a long time. <laughs> you know, sharing one bathroom. And, one you know, bathroom. But, that, but that's what you do. You stay down until you come up. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? And that's what he did. No you shame. Up. You up. But right. I just want to say congratulations to Dramos. He was talk, telling me about it behind the scenes. Well, I just that's exciting. Congratulations. Congrats, I love sir. that. Appreciate you up, Dramos. Thank you for the help. Appreciate it. All right. Now, uh, Revolt will see you tomorrow. Everybody else, the People's Choice Mix is up next. Get your request in. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Your mornings will never be the same. Our Audible pick of the day is Start Here. This new podcast series from Mel Robbins is a great collection of snack size inspiring motivation. Your first 30 days of Audible Plus are free. Sign up at audible.com slash breakfast club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. Now I'm out in Atlanta. Shout out to Lincoln Tech and shout out to the Beat in Atlanta. I'm out here. Uh, we're planning out things for the car show, so we'll be here for uh, all day long just getting things together. Of course, the car show is July 3rd. If you haven't got your tickets, definitely get your tickets. It's going it's to be a, a, a fun event, man. They've got so many surprises. I can't wait for you guys to come on out and spend 4th of July weekend with me and my family. Now, also, a lot of people, a lot of my friends in Atlanta, they wouldn't uh, pick me up yesterday from the airport because they said that uh, the gas prices, uh, they can't find gas. Yeah, gasoline demand. It was this whole uh, cyber attack on the pipeline. And so now they're saying that uh, people are going out. It was the colonial pipeline. People are going out and... Uh, stocking up on gas, but they are saying things should be back to normal by the end of the week. The problem with the gas is that everybody's like filling up all their cars with gas, and it's causing some gas stations to run out. And Atlanta, Atlanta gonna be on their boosie. They're gonna be pulling up to the goddamn club VIP tank on E. Tank but on guess e. what? All drinks on me. That's, That's right. Them. But I told you, Amber, you could always take the Marta. What's the Marta? The train. The bus. Or train. He said bus. He you don't remember train. Marta Girl? One of the greatest viral video clips of all time. Yes. I do, but I don't. I don't know how to get around. I barely know how to get around in New York City on train. <laughs> well, I can tell you something. In Atlanta, D riding is a real form of transportation. So you know, 
Find your <laughs> to ride. You, you, you get to where you need to go. Can you recommend a good one? I'm sure you <laughs> I hate y'all, man. Y'all play too much. All right. Positive note when we come back is The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Yes. And listen, I want to say thank you uh, to everybody who has been purchasing Tamika Mallory's State of Emergency, How We Win in the Country We Build. That's that's actually one of the reasons I was late this morning because I was really invested, you know, watching, you know, the Amazon book charts and the, the, the Barnes & Noble book charts and, you know, just seeing Tamika. I think she was, she's number one in like three different categories, number like 25 overalls, and that that's millions and millions of books all across the country. So, wow. you know, she deserves it all. So, um... Yeah, man. If you haven't got it yet, go out there and get it. It's available in all formats. Uh, Tamika read her own audio book. The ebook is available. And, of course, the hard copy, State of Emergency, How We Win in the Country We Built. It's the first book off my book imprint, um, Black Privilege Publishing. But, you know, forget all that. It's, 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 it's Tamika. And I'm happy that, you know, she's getting this moment because she deserves it all. And plus, the book is just a great book. It's a how-to guide on how to navigate your way through this white supremacist system. So... Get yourself a copy and thank y'all. Mm -hmm. right. And shout to my angel Cody for joining us this morning as well. Mm. Absolutely. She came in here dropping all types of free jewelry. Yeah, Absolutely. she gave us a lot of information. I know there's a lot of misinformation out there, so make sure you guys check out her Decarceration Collective and all the work that she does and her team of all women, too, by the way. All right. Well, you got a positive note? I do. The positive note is simply this, man. Uh, yesterday was the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan's born day. He turned 88. And I actually just posted this clip of Minister Farrakhan because I, I love it and it's something that I try to apply to my life. When you see men fall, don't laugh. Learn. Because you are on your way up. And the things that tempted people to fall, you know what? Why am I saying this? I can just let the minister say it. Listen. You see men fall, don't laugh. Learn. Learn. Because you are on your way up. And the things that tempt people to fall, you and I are not free from that temptation, nor from the weakness that will cause us to stumble and fall. When you laugh at somebody else's fall, white or black, rich or poor, your enemy or your friend, you are laughing and opening a way for your own demise when you do that. Because to laugh and not learn, to make mockery and not to understand, is to make the same mistake yourself. Breakfast club, bitches! Y'all finished or y'all done?